You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this episode is for Wednesday, August the 30th. Uh, 2023. Uh, for this week's episode, uh, good friend uh, Ryan Ferrante returns. It's always great to, to catch up with Ryan, one of my, my closest friends, to hear how he's doing, to hear how his uh, uh, great wife Stephanie is doing as well. And we talk about some really cool things that Ryan's been up to the past couple of months. Uh, world traveling. I mean, I'm really excited to get to hear Ryan's story that he got to travel with Stephanie and other family members to various destinations in Europe. And of course, got to travel to Japan. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about those trips. And especially the Japan trip. I'm, that one's going to be a really fun conversation with Ryan. And of course, we also talk uh, Dodger talk because Ryan's obviously a big fan of the Dodgers. And we even talk about Ted Lasso season three, minor spoilers for Ted Lasso season three. So uh, if you remember, Ted Lasso is a show that it's highly recommended by both my wife and I. Uh, so uh, hopefully you have been watching. If you haven't, then again, minor spoilers. So nothing major revealed in this particular podcast in regards to Ted Lasso. But again, as I mentioned before, it's just always awesome to catch up with Ryan, to hear how he's doing. And it's a fun conversation. And uh, I'm grateful that the summer's just about over. I mean, technically, everybody who's doing school is back in school. In fact, my daughter Avery just started first grade yesterday. No, two days ago on Monday. So yeah, it, it's 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 a cool that the fall season's upon us. Uh, football's coming back very soon. Uh, hopefully, this triple digit heat goes away. <laughs> uh, I do love the month of August. Yeah, absolutely love August because it's my birthday month. It's my wife's birthday month. We have several fa- family friends and family who all fam- fam- friends and family rather who have birthdays in the month of August. But uh, the triple digit heat can be a little cumbersome, and uh, and then of course. Uh, uh, entertainment can be kind of lacking sometimes during the, the dog months of summer, uh, the dog days of summer rather. But uh, we had a fun family vacation in Palm Springs where we're back in school now. So uh, I think life is good for the Panita family and life is good for me. And uh, again, it's always a blast for me to catch up with friends. So for this week's episode of the Casting for Fun podcast, I got to chat with my good friend, Ryan Ferrante. So here we go. This is my conversation with Ryan. So welcome back to the show, Ryan Ferrante. Ryan, how are you tonight? Hey, Albert. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing doing really good, too. It's good to see you. And I hope you and Steph are uh, safe and dry during uh, this uh, little mini uh, uh, hurricane storm we're having. (laughs) Yeah. A little unexpected. But yeah, we're doing good. Hopefully you are as well. Yeah, yeah, everything's good with the family, and uh, I mean, staying dry. I mean, normal day today, but uh, yeah, 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 so things are going good. Oh, good, good to hear. Very cool. So I'm always excited to to have old friends back on the show, uh, just talk about various cool things that that are going on with you. I mean, your your world travels. Like, I'm really excited to hear those stories. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the Dodgers are hot. I mean, it's it's just been a 
Uh, we don't want to, you know, count our chickens for their hatch, but I mean, just consistently year after year, they're always competitive. So it's always great to see that as a fan. So yeah. some Dodger talk with you would be great. And then uh, it's a little late to the, the party, but I mean, I, I meant to message you and reach out to you sooner to talk about Ted Lasso season three. So hopefully oh, yeah. you kind of remember how the season played out. I was a little hazy, but I, I meant to message you back in like May or June, whenever the season finished. Oh no. Yeah. We could definitely talk Ted Lasso. I love that show. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, so let's start with your, your trips. If you can let the listeners know, where have you been recently uh, with, with your wife, Stephanie? So recently uh, we took a trip to, well, back in March, we took a trip to Europe. So we first went to France, we went to Paris and we spent a couple of days there. And it was very interesting because at that time that we went, it was during the time they were having protests and um, I had been to Paris once before, but this time it was a little bit different because uh, there was people protesting in the streets uh, because there was a change in uh, retirement age in France. Mm -hmm. And it was a little controversial. So um, one thing that the people and specifically in Paris, they will protest. They will definitely voice their opinions. And so when we were there, luckily it didn't affect our trip, but there was a, a protest and collecting trash. So there was some trash on the streets. Um, and then one of the nights we were actually walking down the street and we saw people protesting. Um, so it was a little interesting, but it was, it was good. I mean, no matter beyond that, everything else was fine. We were able to go see uh, go to the Louvre. We were able to go to the Eiffel Tower, of course, at night and do uh, one of those boat rides down the Seine River where you're able to see like the Notre Dame and all that. So it was really cool. So that was our first stop. And we spent we spent about three days there. And then we flew over to Barcelona. And that was really cool. Um, That's there's a difference in Barcelona. It's more of a I'm trying to explain it. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. But to me, it's like a kind of feels like Los Angeles in a way, but with more historical buildings and stuff. And I, I really liked it, like it a lot. And there's a lot of things that are open late. So it's really cool. You know, you could be walking around all day and then, you know, there's things don't shut down till like two o'clock in the morning. So um, really, really cool. I loved it. And to be able to go to the, we went to the beach there, it was March and we just kind of went to go dip our, our feet in the water. And it was really warm water, which was interesting because, you know, we're used to the Pacific ocean where it's super cold. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it was cool Barcelona. And then from there, we finished the trip off. We, we flew over to Rome and we were there for, um, four days. And that was really cool. Uh, we had the chance to do a pasta class where we were able to learn how to make pasta. And we were able to go see historical sites like the Colosseum, also the, the Roman Forum where they had all the buildings. It was super cool. And it was really cool because we had a, uh, a tour of the Colosseum. And our tour guy was actually... American. He was a dual citizen of Italy and America, but he was from Philadelphia. And this guy knew 
everything there was about Roman culture, Roman history. I mean, it was just a really good tour. And so we really enjoyed that. Rome was like a highlight of the trip for sure. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So actually, I have a, a couple of several questions about uh, the various destinations you hit up in Europe. So you sure. mentioned for uh, the, the Sign River, is that right? In in France? Y- yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not. But okay. yeah, the Sign, Sign. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so p- please forgive us ignorant Americans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone who knows the correct pronunciation who's listening. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned taking it at night. Is, is there really that much of a difference? I mean, I think I've heard that Paris is kind of referred to as the city of lights, right? So I guess that you want to experience it at nighttime is that correct well actually we yes so we actually did the river tour during the day Mm -hmm. but um we did go to the eiffel tower at night and i believe every i think it's every 30 minutes or every hour i can't remember exactly but they do um they'll they'll put on the sparkly lights on the tower and so that was really cool because you're able to be there and it's very um it's very like romantic. It's really nice um, being able to be there and then see the lights and they sparkle for about, I would say about five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you get to take pictures and stuff. So yeah, I would say, yeah, it's, it's a city that definitely has um, going out at night has a different feel. And, um, but definitely I would say if you were to go into Paris, uh, definitely see the Eiffel Tower at night. That's a highlight for sure. Oh, awesome. Very good. Very cool. Yeah. And you mentioned visiting the Louvre. I was wondering if they still have like the strict restrictions as to like, you know, being able to take pictures while you're inside. That's what I had heard from Allison because of the two of us. She's the only one who's actually been to Europe. Yeah. So <clears throat> we went to the Louvre. Um, we didn't actually go inside. We were up on the top where you see the like pyramid glass mm-hmm. and we were going to go in, but um yeah, there was, I can't remember why, but we didn't end up going inside. But yes, there are some restrictions. I'm not exactly sure what, but I know that, um, you know, when you want to, when you go to see the Mona Lisa, they've really blocked it. So you can't really get too close because I know there's been instances where people have tried to <laughs> ruin the the painting. And, and so they're very much from what I hear, uh, very guarded and making sure that people are um, respecting rules and not getting too close to the art. So, but I definitely would say that even for someone who would go, just going to the Louvre and going to where um, there's the little pyramid glass on the top, that's pretty cool too. And um, just going around and taking pictures and seeing the area, it's really pretty there. And um, yeah, that was, that was really nice. We really liked just visiting the outside of it oh very cool that's awesome so i'm wondering if in the case of the mona lisa if like you know the the da vinci code movie and book kind of like played a a role in that you know people thinking hey there's like a hidden message or like a treasure map in the back of it (laughs) something crazy like that just like people may think that with the declaration of independence because of a national treasure there's like a hidden treasure map there's like a a map on the back yeah Yeah. i don't know (laughs) yeah you know i i am trying to remember because I had been to Paris once before and um, for work and someone was telling me that I forget exactly what, but there was some, there was some people that were trying to 
to deface it. And I mean, they really are trying to make sure. Now, I don't think someone would actually come in and try to like steal it because there's security yeah. everywhere. But, you yeah, know, it's pretty crazy to try. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's mainly just to make sure that people don't throw anything. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not, I think there might be even a protector now, like where there's something protecting it. So even if someone tried to throw something or whatever, it's protected, but I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of security, even up top where you're in the courtyard. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of security just making sure because it's definitely a tourist attraction. There's a ton of people. When we went, it was raining actually. And it, it was nice because it was raining for maybe 10, 15 minutes and then it would stop. And so it didn't really stop us from going to see things. But there was definitely a lot of people from all over the world there uh, coming to check it out. So they they definitely have security there and make sure nothing crazy happens. No, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So from the three cities, so Paris, uh, uh, Rome, and uh, Barcelona, did you have a favorite cuisine from the three or something you really enjoyed uh, of the most? What, what do you think would be the most enticing for Americans to eat of the three cities? Definitely Rome. Rome? Okay. Rome. It's For me personally, I love Italian food. Mm -hmm. And of course, in Rome, I um, Stephanie and I had the opportunity to try different things and different restaurants and every place we went to, everything was good. Um, compared to the other two cities, I'm not, you know, they have good food too. I think Paris is more for us. It was the, the pastries, you know, the desserts. That was what they, that we really enjoyed from Paris. Um, from Barcelona, the food was good, but compared to the two other cities, um, it was okay. We had paella, we had, um, you know, tapas, which they're known for. Uh, good, but nothing better than Rome. For us, Rome was the one was definitely the top of the, of all the cities. So we had, um, one of my favorites was they had this one restaurant bar hotel had this lasagna. And it was just so good. And so, yeah, that was definitely something even now I'm like, man, I'm craving the food over there. Cause you know, we think of Italian food. Um, there's some good Italian restaurants here, you know, in California, but the things over there are just fresh and just taste so good. So definitely Rome is the city that I would say is the best out of the three that three places we went to in Europe. Oh, awesome. That That's good to hear. In fact, actually when I've Kind of the impression I've gotten is that the Italian food here in America tends to be very uh, Americanized. So it's not really true, authentic Italian. So I guess yeah. to really get the true, authentic Italian, you basically have to hop, hop a plane and fly to Italy, right? Yeah, you know, and the thing is, is obviously I think for here in the U.S., there's a lot of, you know, changes to, uh, you know, Italian food. And one of the biggest things that I realized is the portions over there in Rome were a lot smaller. You know, you'd go to say like, I don't know, like in an olive garden or something that's, you know, American, Italian, mm -hmm. it's definitely more of a portion, you know, where you get a lot of something versus over there in Italy, at least in Rome, you would get a smaller portion, but the food was just, it was good quality. You could tell like it's fresh. Then, you know, the spaghetti or the different types of pasta you're eating wasn't, um, you know, store-bought. You know, it was actually rolled out and actually made. So 
that was what was cool. And also we did the pasta class where we were able to learn from a, a chef how to make pasta. So it was really cool that you're able to go and you do a class. They teach you how to make the pasta and then you cook it and then you get to sit outside and eat it. And it was a really cool experience. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 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 It's definitely making me really hungry now too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I highly recommend, uh, you know, that's the only city we went to in Italy, but mm-hmm. definitely we love the food in Rome. Oh, okay. Very good. Very cool. So I actually had a, a, I guess a comment or a question that will segue into the next part of the discussion that I wanted to bring up. So you mentioned yeah. getting to see the Colosseum, which is really cool. I mean, it's one of the the eight wonders of the world. I guess initially, like uh, there was seven wonders of the ancient world, where I think the only one wonder that's still stand, standing is are the pyramids in Egypt. But I guess with the modern uh, wonders of the world, like the Colosseum is one of the, the more modern ones, which is really cool that you actually got to see that in person. Uh, in my mind, though, what I think of basically, if you're going to add on like another wonder of the world, like the ninth wonder, for me, it would be uh, Tower Records in Japan. Uh, oh. so actually, I, someday I absolutely want to make a trip to Japan and visit the last standing Tower Records. I think it'd be really, really cool to see. So I know you and Steph had the opportunity to fly to Japan and visit there. Uh, what yes. was your experience like? And please tell me you did go visit the Tower over there. <laughs> I definitely did. Awesome. And awesome. so, yeah, Japan. So, yeah, we came back. We went to Europe in March and then uh, we decided um, kind of spontaneously at the beginning of the year we said okay let's let's take a trip to Japan and so this trip um the Europe trip was just Stephanie and I and then our Japan trip we ended up being it was Stephanie and I and our nephew Noah and my sister-in-law awesome so um the four of us went and it was really cool we obviously the differences though is that you know in Europe you can go to pretty much at least in our experience with Paris, Barcelona, Rome, you're always going to find someone who speaks English. Mm-hmm. So the language barrier isn't as bad as, say, Japan. Japan was a little bit more difficult to communicate. But don't get me wrong. it was They were super nice. The people are super nice, and they will help you with anything you need. And I was very impressed of the – it's part of the culture. You know, they're really – well, to take a step back, um, if you walk in the streets of Tokyo, it's clean. Mm-hmm. So there's a very much a, a culture of keeping things clean, respecting others. The city felt safe. And also there's a lot of tourists there. And I could see that even though maybe some of the people, the native people, you know, the people from Tokyo may not understand or speak English. If you go up to somebody and you ask them for help they will do whatever they can to help you, whether it's with directions or whatever they're, they will do all that they can to try to communicate and help, which is super cool. Um, But yeah, we went to Tokyo in May. We went for a week and we definitely visited Tower Records. Awesome. That was (laughs) one of my first things I said, Hey, we, we need to go to Tower Records. And so one of the nights we went to Tower Records and it's a seven story Tower Records. Oh, that's bigger than I had heard. I thought it was only like three or four stories. Yeah, it's seven stories and each level has different um, like categories of music. So mm-hmm. one level and, you know, K-pop and J-pop is very popular. Um, so there was a few levels, like maybe two or three that were just dedicated to that genre of music. 
But they did have a, I believe it was like the fourth or fifth level that was all vinyl records for any bands, you know, what international, everything. So mm-hmm. it was really cool to see some of the, to go through and find some bands that, um, that had Japanese pressings of vinyls. Mm-hmm. So they had so much, it was just full of vinyls. And I mean, we were just going after looking and trying to find different things. And there was just so much, but definitely they, um, you know, Tower Records is still booming over there. There's when we went, there was quite a few people in the store and um, it was kind of like a, <laughs> you know, a step back in time, you know, cause I used to, I used to go to Tower Records all the time, you know, and that's where I would go, you know, listen to the new CD or record and try to, you know, and buy whatever. And so stepping into that Tower Records was like stepping into the mid to late 90s, you know, back in West Covina Mall at Tower Records. (laughs) It was just kind of uh, nostalgic for me, you know. Oh, I absolutely get that. In fact, for my birthday celebration, I mean, Allison and I went out to Hollywood to go check out Amoeba, which oh, would yeah. probably be like the closest thing to really being like the the Tower Records experience. In fact, actually, I think it, it pretty much is. You can declare it at, at, that it is. Some of the other record stores in the area, like Rhino, are really cool, but they are kind of mm-hmm. on the smaller side. So as far as getting something as big as Tower used to be, yeah, Amoeba is probably the best option for, for the LA area. Yeah, that's true. And Amoeba is a good one. Um I went to Amoeba back when they were at their old location, um, uh-huh. but I know they're at their new location. I definitely need to go check that out. Yeah, right yeah, across the street from the Pantages. So if you got, if you catch a show or playing, I mean, go, stop by Amoeba before. <laughs> Just go right over, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, the but... Funko store is right next door too. So it's actually pretty cool. You can hit up the Hollywood Funko store. Oh, there's so much to do if you yeah. want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely like that with Amoeba. And, and you're right. Like Amoeba is the closest we can get to what the feel of, tower records is you know and so for me i that was one of the main things i was like i want to go to tower records so i'm glad that we did and we enjoyed Mm it um there was a lot of things that we did the food over there in japan is really good um and surprisingly one of the best things and and people probably mock me for this but they're, they have a lot of 7-Eleven convenience stores, like 7-Elevens. <laughs> and the food that they have there is really good. They have like, <laughs> they just have like these hot, you can get like a teriyaki bowl. You can get um, like these pork buns and they were just really, really good. So there was always like a 7-Eleven close to our hotel. So sometimes I'd be, it'd be late at night or early in the morning and be like, I'm going to go over to 7-Eleven and pick something up. And with like $3, because the food's really cheap, mm-hmm. with like $3, you can eat a whole meal and it's like really good food. <laughs> so oh, I did that a few times. Yeah. So, and people are like, why did you go to Japan and go only to 7-Eleven? And that's not the case. We did try a lot of other places, but. I was pleasantly surprised with uh, what 7-Eleven had to offer over there. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, you definitely sold me on uh, just getting a teriyaki bowl at a 7-Eleven, which is really cool. And you can definitely tell that's a, a huge step up from what you would get at a 7-Eleven here in America. Like Exactly. You know, day, day old or two days old pizza oh. or hot dogs that just look gross and disgusting. Yeah, no. 
<laughs> you know, and that's what I heard too. People were telling me like, oh yeah, go check out 7-Eleven. And so I was like, really? Like 7-Eleven? But then I tried it and I was like, okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so really good. That's like if you really were just kind of in a rush or just last year and you're a little hungry and you just want something small. But we definitely did. Um, we ate at some very nice restaurants. It was good. And the food for the most part is fairly cheap. Um, the meals aren't that expensive. So food wise, it's, you know, traveling there, you don't spend too, too much uh, money on food, which is really nice. And it's good food. Um, but we did spend um, in Tokyo, we did quite a bit. We went to a place called Shibuya Sky, which is um, it's a building in the Shibuya Square in Tokyo, where you're on top of the building and you can see the whole all of Tokyo. So it's kind of just like a rooftop um, observation deck, which was really cool. You take up this escalator and you're like on the side of the building with this glass wall. So you can kind of see just the whole city, which was really cool. We also did. And one of the other things other than Tower Records was we wanted to do what it's it's a thing called monkey cart. And it's basically I don't know if you've seen it, but um, it's like Mario Kart in Tokyo. I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 So it's a tour of. It's an hour tour where you're on go-karts, kind of similar to like like Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. And you can even dress up in different characters. <laughs> yeah. So you're basically just driving. You have a tour guide who's driving with you at the front. And they drive you through the city. And we did it at night, which was really cool. And um, yeah, we... Uh, we were able to go through Shibuya Square, which is the the area where it has the crosswalk from all four different sides, um, where thousands of people could cross at once. So we did that, and it was cool to drive through the city, you know, on these go karts. And people were always like waving at us, and they thought it like people taking pictures of us because there's a group of us, um, mm-hmm. about ten people. So it was really cool to be driving in the in the city in in Tokyo, kind of as a little tour. It was super cool. Oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. So when I eventually make my way to Japan with Allison, that definitely gonna be the two things we'll do the 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 go karts and visit Tower Records. <laughs> I highly recommend it. I highly, highly recommend it. And then just in closing with our with our trip there, yeah. we we took a bullet train to Osaka. And that was really cool, too, to go see Osaka. Uh, we went to where they have the running man sign, which is uh, fairly popular there. And then we also took um, from Osaka about a 15 minute train ride. We went to Kyoto and we were able to go to one of the the temples there and and walk around. And it was super cool. I really enjoyed it. And I highly recommend if anybody's thinking of traveling to Tokyo or, you know, to Japan, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds really awesome, too. In fact, actually riding a bullet train is something that I think I'd like to do sometime. Uh, how how fast does it go or do you know or how long does it take? You know, I can't remember exactly how fast, but just in context from Tokyo to Osaka, I believe if you drive there, it's about an eight hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the bullet train, it only took us like two and a half to three hours. Um, so it's going pretty fast. 
And there's a few stops along the way, but basically you take it from Tokyo uh, main station and it just takes you all the way over to Osaka. So, and the trains are nice, you know, they're nice, comfortable seats. You just relax and it's very pleasant because it also goes around the coast. So you can see the coast and as you're going on the train, you can also see Mount Fuji and uh, it's a really, really cool experience. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, someday, someday we'll yeah. get our trip out to Japan. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything else about the Japan or the European trips that you wanted to share? No, just uh, only one thing, though, if someone's really into uh, maybe for you, because I know you're really into soccer, too. But I, I highly recommend to go to Barcelona and take a tour of Camp No now oh, or no. Oh, yeah. yeah. You mentioned that before. Definitely. That's another thing I'd love to do sometime. Yes. Yes. That's that's pretty cool. So. Awesome. I highly recommend it. Very cool. Well, we'll shift gears just a little bit to some uh, Dodger talk. So sure. this recording is taking place as of uh, August 20th. Uh, uh, just so the listeners are aware, it's actually going to be the following week when I actually release this episode. So mm-hmm. it'll be eh, a, a, a little behind on the times. But the good news is, I mean, there, there's no way that the Dodgers, Dodgers would be relinquishing their lead in the National League West. I mean, they got such a huge lead over everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, 76 and 47, their lead right now. Uh, that's 11 and a half above the Giants. Uh, Mookie Betts is leading the team with 34 home runs. The team's just looking really, really cool. Uh, what's been in, uh, standing out to you the most this season as far as the Dodgers are concerned? You know, I think one of the things that, you know, comparing, say, last year to this year, uh, last year, you know, they were coming off really strong. You know, they had the best record. Um they were just dominating right and mm-hmm. and i feel like this year there was some ups and downs and even though they're still on top of the nl west i feel like they're a little bit more consistent and that's good because i was really disappointed last year when they lost to the padres and you know just thinking man they're the best team you know and they were the best team in baseball and they lost <laughs> you know it was like they should have won So I think this year, I just have this feeling of that they kind of found their, their, um, their, their momentum. And if things, you know, we hope that things continue as they go, I feel like they have a chance, you know, that they could have a chance to, uh, really continue doing well in the next, you know, the end of this month and next month going into the postseason. So I'm, I feel optimistic. I'm also very glad and happy that they brought back Kike Hernandez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, when they brought him back, I know he was having some of a uh, issues or uh, kind of a slump in Boston, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, even if Kike doesn't do all that great here in LA, I think just it's a morale boost, you know, cause he's just, he's a Dodger, you know, he's, he's, been here before you know everybody loves him he brings this kind of um the spirit to the team so i was very happy to see that he was coming back yeah and i think for the most part um yeah i'm just excited you know i'm excited to see what they do and going back to what i said i think it's the consistency um that this year it's not like they have to be the best team in baseball when it comes to the record, because I think right now it was Atlanta who's got the best record in the MLB. Yeah. 
but I don't think that matters as much as just being consistent and winning games and, and just doing what they're doing. I think the formula that they have right now is it's working and I hope they just continue doing that. Oh, absolutely. Me too. I think it's going to be an exciting uh, stretch down uh, for the month of September and then going into uh, postseason in October. That's going to be really, really fun and great to see. Uh, very likely, I think that the Dodgers and uh, uh, Braves meet each other for the, the National League Championship Series. And then uh, one of my uh, guests who will be on before you, Ryan, it's uh, uh, Carlos Garcia, uh, who we knew from Temple City. He seems to think it's going to be Dodgers versus Tech uh, Rangers uh, for the World Series. So it should okay. be pretty interesting to see what happens. I mean, again, I don't want to you know, jump too far ahead of ourselves and yeah. get too overly <laughs> excited. But, but like you said, I think it just seems to be uh, the things are gelling really, really well, maybe better than they were last year, but at the same time, we thought they were gelling really well last year too. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. You know, and like you said, I I'm just hopeful, you know, and again, I think if they continue the way they are, um, they'll be good. I do see that Atlanta would be a, a challenge. I, I, you know, they're a really good team. So mm -hmm. Uh, I also think that, yeah, they'll probably face them. Um, and if, as long as they stay healthy and they continue doing what they're doing, uh, yeah, I don't see why they can't make it all the way. Very cool. Uh, anything else with the Dodgers? No, I just, I just know that, what was it last yesterday or whatever, that they, they were going for their win streak. They, uh, were pretty high up there and unfortunately they, they lost that, but. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, we see that, you know, like you have setbacks like that. But I mean, uh, since uh, the trade deadline, the Dodgers have just been on fire, been fantastic. In fact, all season yeah. long, I think they've been really effective and great. So, um, yeah, look, looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, this is the first year. And unfortunately, I, this is the first year I haven't been to a game. So hopefully between now and, you know, the end of the season, I'll be able to catch one. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's definitely some cool promotions to check out too. In fact, I think, uh, uh, our friend, uh, Tony Aguilar and, and Lindsay, his wife, their family, I think they went to a Filipino night where they got oh, like cool. the, 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 dot, the, the t-shirt was it a Jersey. It was really cool looking. I was like, Oh man, I wish I had gone to that. That would have been pretty fun, but <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. Very cool. So let's go ahead and wrap up with some, uh, Ted Lasso talk. So, okay. Always, always great to talk about this show. I highly recommend it to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but again, unfortunately, yeah, it does have a little bit of swearing. But, um, you know, I've been checking on VidAngel. They've actually added like some some of the shows from Apple TV Plus to, to in order to filter. But unfortunately, oh. Ted Lasso isn't one of them just yet. So I'm hoping that as soon as they do, I would just tell everybody, hey, you got to watch Ted Lasso. This is a really awesome show. Yeah, I love it. Very cool. So uh, what were your favorite aspects from season three? And th this will be kind of, I guess, minor spoilers for, for people who haven't seen it. But uh, season three, I thought was excellent, just like the other two. I thought it was very entertaining and fun. Yeah, I I love Ted Lasso. And the show is, how do I explain it? I think for me, what I like about it is it's a feel-good show. Uh, you get to see the different characters and you see the different challenges that they're facing. And so obviously one of the main underlying uh, topics of the show deals with mental health mm -hmm. and making sure, you know, that people can see how that looks differently for different people. Um, this season of Ted Lasso, this last season, I'm, you know, kind of sad that it's 
over, you know, mm-hmm. at least that's what we, we know as of right now, mm-hmm. if they come with another, maybe a spinoff, but you know, it seems like this is it. Mm-hmm. But what I liked about it is that they, and I don't know, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but basically they, they made it realistic in a way, you know, a lot of shows, they make it seem like, oh, they've, they did this big grand thing, you know? And I think for me, it was a show that, yeah, they did a lot, but they were able to like basically come together and they were more like a family. And I liked that. I I really liked how they, the characters were progressing, um, that they all were like brothers and this season it seemed like it just showed more of like how they how they connected better oh absolutely. i like that yeah 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 i definitely like that too in fact uh so i'll, I'll do minor spoilers like ryan just kind of uh you know tiptoe around because i don't want to ruin it for anybody who yeah. hasn't seen the show <laughs> and advertising that we're getting just minor spoilers so yeah um so the the team at the beginning of this the season they, they they're performing poorly they're expected to do really well but i mean they're they're losing a lot of games and they're struggling and then uh just out of like pure accident because like i guess uh ted uh accidentally has like an acid trip or like a fake one i guess i don't really remember what exactly happened but he has just this epiphany and vision that in order for the team to progress and get better they needed to implement total football or as we would know it as americans uh the triangle offense which again if you're a laker fan and you're or even a chicago bulls fan and you're um, a fan of phil jackson as a coach you'll definitely be familiar with that strategy where you know you have uh, three guys who are essentially running the offense, but they're working together as a cohesive unit. They're aware of each other's movements. That's constant flow. Uh, basically just the way as you, as you explained it, Ryan, like they're working together as a cohesive unit, as a team, as a family, and it's building the team together and making them all like uh, uh, unselfish players. But I mean, just making them really effective in what they do. So again, uh, just implementing the triangle offense, because again, I'm a huge fan of that, that type of uh, basketball concept or total football as they call it on the show uh, i think is very very effective and it's kind of cool just because i like it so much that that's actually what kind of turned the team around so so that was an aspect of the the third season that i really enjoyed yeah and that was like you said it was kind of like a turning point for them and i'm glad you know and i remember that they were explaining that and they were talking about um you know the the history of it and and it was kind of cool, you know, that's why I like the show, because it's not just about Ted Lasso or Richmond FC. It, it This season, you know, when they were talking about total football, they were talking about um, the history behind it. And so for as a, you know, as a soccer fan, football fan, you're just kind of like, oh, this is cool. You know, they it, it, they put some effort into actually explaining what it is. So you understand it, mm-hmm. it was really yeah. cool. Yeah, but, and I remember correctly on the show. I think they did get proper credit to the actual architects of the the strategy and and the the play style. Uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Sam Barry, who was a USC coach back in like the the late forties, mm-hmm. uh, and then further developed by one of his players, uh, Tex Winter, who served as a 
assistant coach to Phil Jackson for under the Bulls and the Lakers. So it was kind of yeah. cool just to get that history, like you mentioned, Ryan, and then just seeing how the players started using it and uh, started winning games, which was really, really cool as well. So we got to see that the whole team kind of had to have their uh, redemption arc and a few other aspects. I mean, again, I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but again, there's a really cool uh, episode where one particular player like stands up for his teammate which it was yeah. cool done in a very tasteful, very effective way, I thought. So um, and, then, and then we get to see the redemption mark of another uh, character who maybe kind of seen as a little detestable. But, he, you know, he at, at the end, again, spoiler, sorry, that he kind of redeems himself. I, I don't want to say which character. If you start watching the show, you'll know who I'm talking about. But, yeah. but I just love the concept and idea that throughout the whole series, Ted often would compare his players to goldfish and say, hey, be a goldfish. Like if you make a mistake, immediately forget it. So you don't weigh yourself down and that you can always change uh, the person you are to be someone better. So I think uh, the, the whole series, I think would look at it as a, a redemption arc for just everybody that you yeah. can always change for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's what I loved about the show because, you know, I love soccer. I love watching, you know, anything about any show about, you know, soccer, football, um, you know, Ted Lasso, Wrexham, FC, all those shows I love. But what I liked about Ted Lasso is the fact that you have this character, Ted, who is learning, you know, because obviously he comes in and he's not really familiar with, you know, how how the sport is. Um, he's not a perfect guy by any means, and he has his own challenges. But what I really like about the show is that he's still able to make a difference. You know, he's really, he really inspired his team. He really made them part of, he was a big part of making them as a family. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, I like the idea or I like the concept that they were able to have a character like him who had his own challenges, but was still able to make a difference. And that's kind of like in our life, you know, sometimes we may think, oh, I can't make a difference because, you know, A, B, and C, I deal with this or depression and anxiety, but, you know, he did too. Mm -hmm. And look at him, he was able to have a successful team. So I like that, you know, that it was a show that that focused on soccer and it also focused on, you know, their connections and how they become together as one. Absolutely. Very good. Awesome. Uh, Was there anything else about Ted Lasso that you wanted to bring up or anything else in general? Um, you know, I just think with the Ted Lasso, I'm just hopeful. I, you know, part of me is kind of okay with them. Just if this is the last season, I, because sometimes, you know, if you, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the last season and, um, you know, I was happy with the way it ended and I won't explain, but you know, if there was some sort of spinoff, I just hope that it would be, um, not just to cash in, you know, like mm-hmm. just to come back and do something to get more viewers. But if they were to do a spinoff, maybe, um, you know, they would really have to put in an effort to make make sure that it's written well, because there's going to be a lot of high expectations. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I'm glad that I was able to watch it. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, great. So I think we're good to go ahead and wrap up for tonight. 
Uh, yeah. Ryan, thank you so much for, for sharing your experiences. In fact, actually, as an outsider for me, I was actually very curious about that, like how how uh, easy it is to uh, travel to faraway destinations like that. Because, again, I've, I've only ever really just been out of the country once to serve uh, my mission in Brazil. So yeah. to, to learn what Japanese uh, culture is like a little bit and other European uh, countries as well. And then, of course, always fun to talk Dodgers and uh, Ted Lasso with you. So thank you for giving me your time tonight, Ryan. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Oh, and one quick thing. If anybody's interested, um, one tip that I have, if anybody's interested in visiting like Europe, Costco, go on Costco. (laughs) Costco travel is what we used. And it was very, uh, very, very helpful. They had good packages. And um, yeah, that's what we used. It made it easy for us. And um, yeah, nice hotels. They would transfer you from the hotel to the airport. So Highly, highly, highly recommend if you're going to travel to Europe. Unfortunately, they don't do it for for Japan, but uh, look into Costco travel. It's definitely a it's definitely a good way to go. Awesome, that's a wonderful tip. Thanks, Ryan. I would have never known that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, I didn't know either. And I was thinking Costco, really, but yeah, they have good packages on there. So, yeah, highly, highly recommend. Very cool. Okay, well, again, thank you again, Ryan, for giving me your time tonight. Thank you to the listeners for listening. And uh, you've been listening to the Casting for Fun podcast. Thanks, everybody.